Do you remember the lockdown summer of 2020? It was boiling, wasn't it? For the Finn family, we spent a huge amount of time in the garden. Our afternoon pee activities tended to include water fights, paddling pool. Our son Josiah played huge amounts of football and cricket. Bella was on our gym bar constantly. It was fantastic. The only thing was, by the end of the summer, our lawn was pretty much devoid of any grass. When I put the paddling pool away in the autumn, there was a massive bear patch underneath. Josiah's football goal was just a huge bear patch, as was the patch under Bella's gym bar as well. So I decided I need to fix this. I grabbed some seed for I had in the garage. I loosely kind of moved around the soil a little bit. I chucked it on and kind of hoped for the best. Six months later, it's made no difference whatsoever. To be honest with you, I didn't really do it properly. I certainly didn't get rid of any of the weeds or the moss that was in the way. I don't think I prepared the soil properly. I didn't research how to do it. And as the phrase goes, you reap what you sow, which was, in my case, basically no grass whatsoever. Anyway, today we're beginning our journey on what it means to be a resilient disciple. And just like a seed needs good weed-free soil in order for it to grow, so we also need to cultivate our hearts and clear the clutter out of the way sometimes so that we can experience true friendship and joy with Jesus. In Matthew 14, Jesus tells us this fascinating story about a sower. Now, it's one of the only parables that Jesus actually goes on to explain. So it's a complete gift for us because we get to see it plainly to understand it and then apply it to our lives. Let's have a look at it together now. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell among the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. And then from verse 18, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown on the path. The seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word at once and receives it with joy. But since they have no roots, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the world, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty or thirty times what was sown. There is so much we could unpack in this parable today, but in summary, we're presented with two main themes. Firstly, a series of scenarios in which poor soil, either covered with weeds 
or rocks or a path or birds hinders and clutters the seed's growth. And one scenario in which the good soil leads to the seed producing a great harvest. Now, if the soil in this parable actually refers to our lives and our hearts, then the question we need to be asking is, how can we ensure that our lives are clutter-free, ready to receive God's word so that we can produce a harvest and experience joy in Jesus? Or put it another way, how do I become a resilient disciple and follower of Jesus? Now, before we get into some of the things that help grow resilient discipleship, I'd like to unpack the context and the challenges that we all face in this digital world today. Things that can easily hinder our spiritual growth. Now, this is important because the things I want to talk about are just like the birds, the weeds, the rocks and the thorns that Jesus describes as cluttering and hindering spiritual growth in the parable. If we're going to be serious about growing into resilient disciples, then we need to know what we are up against in the world. So two challenges here. The first challenge is the constant search for identity. As human beings, we are unique amongst creation because we undergo this constant search for identity. We all want to know, who am I really? And we blend our identities from a menu of different ingredients, from wants, needs, desires, self-perceptions and so much more. In today's world, it's our screens that grant us access to a huge range of identity forming tools, communities and adventures. Algorithms behind the apps like Amazon anticipate and guide our searches. Netflix recommends what shows you should watch based on previous viewings. Facebook suggests news feeds based on your previous behaviour. It's almost as if the screens know you better than you know yourself. Essentially, the marketeers behind the algorithms know what they would like you to be so that they can sell you things. In fact, the next time you watch the ad before a YouTube video, why don't you pause and think and say, what identity is being sold to me here? You see, what we consume stakes a claim on who we are. And that is the stuff of identity. If you're not careful, digital clutter will ruin your intimacy with Jesus. The second challenge is what we call brand me. The digital world provides a constant call for you to be different and unique, reflected in mantras like you do you. Our society glorifies the individual search for self-expression and you're constantly encouraged to define yourself online as an individual. Ever heard any of these phrases online? You discover the truth about yourself by looking inside yourself. You can believe whatever you want, so long as those beliefs do not affect society. You should pursue the things you desire most. Let's be clear about all these things. Jesus never said any of them. In our digital world, human identity is under a full-scale rebrand. And personal screens reinforce the notion of choosing your identity. 
by giving you daily, even hourly chances to present a self-selected, carefully filtered, curated version of ourselves for our friends and followers to see. Social media, for all its promises of connecting people, also feeds our insecurities and, at worst, our individualistic brand-making impulses by asking us to present or perform our brand me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever it might be. Every day reinforcing the message, you get to, you must define who you are. The problem is, in this world of brand me, the identities that we create and we take on don't stand the test of time. And like the house built on the sand or the seed that falls amongst the rocks, they collapse when the storms arrive. And for us as Christians, the danger is that we can start to take some of these cultural pressures and let them infiltrate into our lives, into your soil, your discipleship. And like the weeds in the parable of the sower, they can begin to choke your faith. For example, you might begin to question the Bible saying, well, I'm not really sure that's what the passage is saying to me right now. Or, do you know what? I'm just not really feeling like it today. So I'll give my fire group, I'll give my community a miss. In America, studies have shown that there's a shift towards Christian discipleship as a solo effort. Like the best way to grow in spirituality is on your own. Can you imagine that? And yet actually I can because it echoes the cultural refrains of the time. You do you by finding yourself, by looking within. You speak your truth. So if that's some of the context, that's some of the great challenges we all face, then how can we nurture faith and tend the soil of our lives so that we become resilient disciples? In the words of the Apostle Paul, how can we make sure that we don't copy the behaviour and customs of this world, but we let God transform us into new people by changing the way we think. The Faith in Exiles research found that resilient disciples experienced intimacy and deep joy through regular conversation with Jesus. And based on this research, I want to suggest to you four practices today that will help you to grow in intimacy with Jesus, tending the soil of your life so that you can reap a harvest. Now, to aid your memory, I've worked hard because these four things are going to spell out the word reap. So you can write them out as you go along and I hope they will be helpful for you. The first thing, resilient disciples experience Jesus together in relationships. God designed us to be in community with him and with one another. That's why he set up the early church. I'm afraid that having great head knowledge about Jesus does not lead to intimacy with him. Intimacy with Jesus is found along a relational pathway that includes your friends, your family and other people who love and experience Jesus. As a child, I had plenty of head knowledge of Jesus, especially being the son of a preacher man. My Sundays resolved around uh, church meetings, and yet for all the sermons and Bible studies I heard, and don't get me wrong, what you believe really does matter, 
But for all the Bible studies and sermons that I sat through, my memory of experiencing Jesus isn't in those. It's through my community, that church community. It's through the couple, Mike and Lois, who used to chat with me each week and pray with me. It's through that single guy, Brian, who every week would have a joke for me, would have something funny to say to lift my spirits and encourage me. It was through the musicians in the worship band who nurtured me as I tentatively started playing trumpet as a child in the worship band. And it was through that volunteer youth leader, Murray, who without fail every week would play chess and table tennis with me and would have something encouraging to say to me in my faith. You see, we are loved into loving Jesus. Community is essential. In G2, it's great that most of us are involved in fire groups because this is the place where we're encouraged to discover and maintain our identity as followers of Jesus. Given that the gravitational pull of the digital world is so strong, seeking to steal our identity lots of the time, it's utterly essential that we press into our small groups. If you want to grow in faith and intimacy in Jesus, then community is essential. So who are you experiencing Jesus with? What relationships could you press into that help you move from familiarity with Jesus to communion with him and a deeper joy? Resilient disciples experience Jesus together in relationships. Secondly, resilient disciples explore big questions of life and find the answers in Jesus. As we said earlier, the search for identity, who am I really, is going on in all of us in some way or another. But this is only one of the many life questions that you and your friends will ponder at some point in their lives. To be a resilient disciple means finding the ultimate answer to these questions in the person and works of Jesus. However, in our digital world that streams entertainment 24-7 and provides an endless barrage of sensory delights, the danger is that we all too often are distracted and don't choose to explore these questions. As followers of Jesus and as a Christian community, it's really important that We create space to explore questions of identity, of meaning, of purpose, of legacy, and so much more. We're bombarded in our digital society with conflicting and chaotic messages about what matters. And these messages are constantly changing as the creators do their level best to convince you of what you should believe, think, or more often than not, buy. We must therefore anchor our search for identity in something much deeper. To be a resilient disciple means we must create space to explore big questions together and repeat to ourselves and one another what the Bible says is true about us. This is one of the reasons that I absolutely love Table. You may have heard Susie and I talk about it before. It was a time when we created a safe space in our home for people either exploring or new to faith uh, to come and ask their big questions. 
in the first week after a meal together, we would get everybody to anonymously write down the things that, the questions they had, the things they were struggling with, the things they wanted answers to. And then we processed them and we said that we would, the remainder of our weeks together would unpack and explore those questions together. Without fail, there were always questions about identity, about prayer, about the Bible, about the Holy Spirit, about the world, about sin, about relationships. And it was a privilege to explore these together, but to find the answers in Jesus and the truth of God's word in the Bible. To be a resilient disciple means exploring big questions and finding the answers in Jesus. So how can you centre your experience of Jesus on exploring some of life's deepest questions, and discovering the truest answers in him? How could you help some of your friends to ask those big life questions and find the truest answers in Jesus? Resilient disciples explore big questions of life and find the answers in Jesus. Thirdly, resilient disciples orientate themselves around the authority of Jesus. In our digital world, the new moral code says that the individual is the centre of the universe. Remember the phrase, you do you. But Jesus teaches something radically different that is totally countercultural. In John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if you want to be a resilient disciple, that means you must orientate your life around external sources of authority, around the words of Jesus found in the Bible, around the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God in our lives and around the church, which is the body of Christ. It's funny, though, isn't it, that when we don't know something, where's the first place we all go? It's Google. Don't get me wrong. That's fine for finding out a new bit of information or what the weather's going to be like or the news or when the bus is going to come. But for questions of life, meaning and purpose and faith, the answers aren't found in Google. They're not found in what you feel like at the time or even what your best mate says. The answers are found in Jesus, which means we must orientate ourselves around his words, around the Bible. As a young person, I really struggled with my identity. Uh, I internalised a lot of things. I felt guilty most of the time about who I was, guilty about my actions, the mistakes I made, my thoughts. And often when I prayed, it began something like this. I'm sorry, God, for. But then I began to orientate myself around the words of Jesus and the truth about me that were found in his words in the Bible. I was able to recenter myself on this, on true messages like this, John 8, 36. So if the sun sets you free, you are truly free. Or Romans 8, 1 to 2. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. 
If you'd have ever visited my room at university, you would have seen my walls covered with Bible verses like this, uh, continually reminding me of my identity in Jesus, an identity rooted in forgiveness, freedom and love. So how can you orientate your compass away from brand me and all that the digital world throws at you? How can you orientate your compass toward the authority of Jesus? Resilient disciples orientate themselves around the authority of Jesus. And finally, resilient disciples pursue the presence of Jesus through cultivating rhythms of worship and prayer. The Faith in Exiles research revealed that the one distinguishing characteristic of resilient disciples was that they described their relationship with Jesus in intimate terms. They said they feel close to him. Experiencing the presence of Jesus in our lives must be a priority. And worship and prayer are essential for this. Time and time again, when you investigate the characters of the Bible, you see their commitment to prayer and to worship. And as a result, they experienced often the very presence of God. This presence fueled their faith, their decisions and their actions. Think for a moment about Moses in Exodus 33, where he pursues the presence of God, saying this. If your presence does not go with us, then do not send us up from here. Following this, the conversation continues and he goes on to have one of the most remarkable experiences where the very presence and glory of God passes by him on the mountainside. And you know what I love about this story is the conversation that Moses and God have together. Resilient disciples are highly likely to say that Jesus speaks to them. Maybe not always audibly, maybe not all the time, but through the Bible, through their thoughts, through their prayers, their pictures, through prophecy, dreams and so much more. And that's why prayer and worship are so important. They facilitate times of intimacy and connection with Jesus, which further solidifies our identity in him. So how can you pursue the presence of Jesus? How can you cultivate rhythms of prayer and worship which develop a deeper intimacy and experience with Jesus? Resilient disciples pursue the presence of Jesus through cultivating rhythms of prayer and worship. At the start of this talk, we explored the parable of the sower and the soil or the heart needed to reap a harvest. The digital world that we live in is all consuming and like the weeds, the rocks and the thorns or the birds that steal away the potential harvest. So it is with the world that can cause you to question your identity, become distracted or even lose faith. G2. We want to be a church full of resilient disciples. That means we take seriously what it means to follow Jesus. 
not out of duty, fear or guilt, but out of freedom, joy and relationship with Jesus. The things I've shared with you today are some disciplines that will help you to grow in intimacy with Jesus and build resilient discipleship. But but please don't pursue these things just because I've said so or because it's turned up in some new books and research from a book. There is a far greater reason for you to pursue these things. It's because it was the very example that Jesus set himself. Listen to this. Jesus experienced God in relationship with others. Look at his commitment to the disciples and the way they experienced God together through the Last Supper, for instance. And Jesus continually let people explore and ask questions. And he asked questions of society himself, continually pointing people to truth. He constantly orientated his words around the authority of the word of God, as seen in the Holy Scriptures. Notice the conversation he had with the devil where he's tempted in the desert. And every one of his responses was rooted in repeating scripture. And finally, he committed to pursuing the presence of God through prayer and worship, often leaving the house early in the morning or disappearing from the crowds so that he could pray and experience intimacy with his father. So resilient discipleship starts with Jesus. If you want to make sure that your life is like the good soil in the parable, which is ready to reap a harvest, then can I encourage you to pursue community, to experience Jesus in relationships with others? Can I encourage you to explore big questions together and find the answers in Jesus? Can I encourage you to orientate your life around the authority of Jesus as found in the Bible? And can I encourage you to pursue the presence of Jesus through cultivating rhythms of worship and 